and we're still going to have some prayer time on the subject of spiritual warfare, and I don't know if I'll be able to see it, but Proverbs 12:25 come to my mind during that song. I like to know what it says. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. All the goings on in this world and the spiritual battle can cause depression. Cause us to, a lot of people to hit the bottle, grab the pills. Those butts in the Bible. But a good word takes that heavy heart and makes it glad. That's what that song was about. We can get a heavy heart, we can get full of anxiety, we can get full of depression, but a good word can turn it all around from the Bible, can't it? Pretty good stuff right there. Kind of glad God brought Proverbs twelve twenty five to my mind. You see what it said. So the last time we was in Ephesians, it was about the Christian warrior. And every one of us ought to desire to be a soldier of the cross. We ought to desire to not just be a Christian, but a Christian warrior. We learn something about the struggle of a Christian warrior. That's not about against flesh and blood. That's against the devil. We learn something about the stance of a Christian warrior. And we're not to be running. We're not to be hiding. We're not to be hunkering down. We're to be standing against the devil. The whole armor of God, there's one place it's not covered, and that's the backside. So if you're going to get injured, guess what? Probably when you turn and run. And then we learned about the strength of the Christian warrior. And Paul said, be strong in the Lord. That's where our strength comes from. And we talked about Popeye. And we had everybody Googling who his battle was against. Look here. And we all wondered, why don't he just keep some spinach handy? Because when he ate that spinach, I'm going to tell you, he was tough and nobody could whoop him. And we wonder why he didn't keep the spinach with him. And I wonder why we don't stay full of the Spirit because the Spirit is to us what spinach was to Popeye. Huh? Boy, when we're full of the Spirit of God, we're strong in the Lord. Amen? But then he goes right from that and he goes in to telling us, Verse 11 and verse 13, put on some of the armor. No, 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 no. He don't say put on some of the armor. Two times he says, put on the whole armor of God. And the other place he says, take up the whole armor of God. 
I want to cover three pieces of that armor tonight. And then I want us to pray for our spiritual battle and our spiritual warfare. Now, I want you to think about a football warrior. Now, T.L. tells me he's going to be a football man when he gets big. What he tells me. Now, look here. You take one of the biggest and baddest warriors on the football field, okay? Whoever that is to you. I mean, one bad man. And in my mind, when we talk about a warrior on the field, I probably go to the defensive side more than I do because it just seems like they'll hit you harder. And I mean, they, they just, they're, on the side, they're on the defensive side for a reason. They're warriors. Think of the best one that you can ever think of. I have to think of Ray Lewis. That was a bad man. Huh? Wonder how bad he'd be if we took part of his equipment. I wonder how bad he would be, Chris, if we took his helmet off. Come on. I don't care how bad Ray Lewis is. Take his helmet off and stick him in the game. It changes him. He's not the warrior without that helmet. Take his pads. He's not the warrior. Take his cleats off and get him some hay, dudes. And I promise you, he's not going to be the warrior that he is with his cleats. You with me? So who in the world are we to think we're ever going to be a Christian warrior if we don't put on every piece of the equipment that God told us to put on? We leave one piece off, and we can never be the warrior that God calls us to be. And all God's people said, Amen. We're going to look at three of them. Here we go. First, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, when I look some of this up, it's kind of above my head. But let me tell you what a belt does right in the middle on the waist. Two things. Keeps you from falling apart. So when these soldiers back in Bible days, they'd have their, they'd have their tunics, they'd have their Scottish uh, uh, skirts that they fought in, and they'd have to have a belt to keep that stuff from falling apart. They would have to have a belt. Now, I don't understand it in the way, because that ain't the same kind of, uh, of uh, soldier stuff we see worn today, because it's not fought with the same kind of weapons, but it made all the sense in the world. But here's what I can do when it comes to a belt keeping things from falling apart. I can talk to you as a calf roper. And let me tell you what a belt will do. It'll keep things from falling apart. Because when you got your belt, you got your jerk line in it, you got your pig and string in it, and without a belt, I'm going to tell you what, as a calf roper, without a belt, let me tell you what's going to happen. Things are going to fall apart. So have your waist girded with the belt of truth because without it, guess what we're going to do? We're going to fall apart. But let me tell you the second thing a belt does. Not only does it keep you from falling apart, 
it keeps you from falling down. So if they was fighting in tunics that day, and, and those, I think it was them skirts that they, I, but what they would do when they'd go to battle, they'd take their tunic and they'd take it and they'd tuck it in their belt. Because the last thing you want to do in a fight is get tripped up on your skirt. That don't even sound right, does it? I'm going to battle. Well, you better put your skirt up, buddy. Don't want to trip you up. Don't sound right, but that's the attire. And so, since they was fighting in skirts, Bob, don't seem right, it was important to have that belt on because they could tuck it down in that belt. And if a belt, one, keeps you from falling apart, two, it keeps you from getting tripped up and falling down. Let me tell you what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to fall apart. Let me tell you what the devil wants to do. He wants to trip you up. And he'll do it the same way he done it to Miss Eve. He'll lie to you. Therefore, when we put on the belt and we want to keep from falling apart and we want to keep from falling down, the belt has to be the truth. And you look at our world nowadays, listen, trying to lie to you about creation. Huh? I mean, trying to tell you that, that this world evolved into something, trying to tell you there's a Big Bang Theory and all these things, they'd look at us and say, I don't know how you could have faith in there wasn't nothing out there. And then God said, let it be, and it was. Well, let me tell you, does it take more faith to believe that God created the heavens and earth? Or does it take more faith to think that there was just a spot of dirt out there and it turned into a monkey and then the monkey turned into a man and then I don't know what we're going to turn into? Which takes the most faith? But that's how good the devil is that feeding us lies. Because that's what he's put in the universities. That's what he's now putting in the high schools. He is putting that kind of stuff in the literature and trying to say, Paul Harvey said it in 1965, he's going to try to convince this world that man created God, God didn't create man. And that's why we better have on the truth. He is the creator of the universe, and there is a truth in creation. Yes, there was a big bang theory, and God's the one that said bang. How's that? And then they try to deceive us and lie to us when it comes to salvation. I mean, the world tells us. How many times you heard it? We're all trying to get to the same place, preacher. Why does it matter how we get there? Well, listen, we was going from Maisie over to, to Pryor on the back roads over there. And, and in my mind, I kept thinking, would it be faster, Bo, to go plumb out to 69? Or are we going to stay on these little roads and, and got behind an Amish horse and cart? No big bird and a semi-load of cattle yesterday. I mean, I'm thinking, there's got to be a faster way. And let me tell you, I don't know what's the fastest ways, but there was a lot of different ways from where I loaded them cattle to where I took them. And I used two or three different routes in moving those cattle. You with me? And so these people are saying, see there? And they'll use that for an example. The destination was the pasture you was dumping the cattle. But don't you see that pasture? That preaches. There was two or three different ways to get there. Well, I'm not planning on spending eternity on that 150 acres that I turned them cows out on. Are you? 
That's not where I'm planning on spending eternity. There might be a lot of different ways to get where you're going to graze your cattle. There might be a lot of different ways to get to where you're going to, going to rope a steer. There might be a lot of different ways to get to that storm that you're going to clean up on. There might be a lot of different ways to get to that prison or to where you're going to build that barn. Are you guys with me? There might be a lot of different ways to get somewhere. But listen to me. That's not eternity. Heaven is and there's one way to get there. And listen, you better gird yourself with the belt of truth because the world's trying to tell you differently. Trying to trip you up on salvation and the truth of it. Trying to trip you up on the truths of creation. And then here's this. I think the world's trying to trip us when it comes to this thing called sanctification. You can go pray a prayer and get saved and go live any way you want to. Folks, the Bible says repent. That means turn from the way that you're living. And the world's just saying, man, you can just go pray a prayer any way that you want to. Pray a prayer, ask Jesus for you, and go live your life. That ain't how it is. When He saves you, if you're listening, say, I am. He changes you. And He begins to clean you up from the inside out. And every day here on earth, you ought to be living a more sanctified life than you have the day before. You ought to be desiring to get closer to Jesus. But we live in a world where, where sanctification and a repented life, there's deception on that. And it really don't matter how you live your life if you ask God to save you and forgive you. It does matter. Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall likewise perish. Jesus said, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old have passed away. So are you with me tonight? You want to be a Christian warrior? You better gird your waist with the belt of truth because you've got a world that's trying to trip you up and try to get you to fall apart on these subjects of creation, salvation, sanctification, and you can just keep on naming them. So the first piece of armor, we've got to gird your waist our waste with the truth. But look here, then the second piece of armor, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now what's the breastplate cover? Heart. Now I think when I was suiting up, I, I hate to call it suiting up, I think when I was armoring up, how's that, to go to battle, and 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 they say here here's you some here's you some arm cover, here's you some leg cover, and I I'd be all about that Johnny, but if they handed me something to cover these legs and something to cover them arms and they left that right there exposed, I'd be saying now hang on just a second, hang on just a second. If I'm gonna take a a, a arrow, if I'm gonna take a bullet. I ain't the smartest guy in the world, but I cipher pretty decent. I want this covered. And if I'm going to take a shot, I'm going to take an arrow. I want it to one of my limbs. Because if it hits here, that's vital. There's people that are still able to wage war without a limb. But there ain't anybody that can wage war without a heart. And what does he say in the second piece of armor? Put on the breastplate of righteousness. What the breastplate does is it guards the heart. And we better guard the heart. I talked about it this morning. Our hearts are exceedingly wicked. 
And we need to guard our hearts. You guys ever hear about that dog that was tied up? Let me tell you about that dog that was tied up. He wanted loose bad. He was fighting the leash, something terrible. And you know what the devil done? Dispatch one of his demons to turn that dog that was fighting that leash. The devil dispatched one of his demons, and he turned that dog loose. You know what the dog done? He went over to the neighbors and killed a chicken. And you know what the neighbor that owned the chickens done? He killed the dog. And you know what the guy that owned the dog done? He killed the guy that owned the chickens. You know what the guy that owned the chicken's wife done? He killed the guy that owned the dog. Huh? You know what the guy that owned the dog's son done? He killed the wife of the one that owned the chickens. And you know what the neighbor done to the one that owned the chickens? He killed the son of the one that owned the dogs and burned the house down. You know what somebody asked the devil? Why did you do all that? You know what the devil's reply was? All I done is untied the dog. The devil can do the simplest things, and the heart of men is so evil, we'll do the rest. The devil will do the simplest thing, untie the dog, and kill a whole community. You with me? You better put on the breastplate of righteousness. You better guard the heart because the devil's still doing those simple things. And because of the evil that's in a man's heart, he does the rest. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. Look here. The breastplate of righteousness, and I better touch on that righteousness. Positionally righteous. You know what that means? You position yourself in Christ. That's the only way to escape hell and make heaven. You have no righteousness. Therefore, he who, become, he who knew no sin becomes sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Everybody got that? You've got to position yourself in Christ. It's his righteousness that you put on that you position yourself in, not yours. Got that? So we talk often about righteousness, and there's a positional righteousness. But then secondly, the breastplate of righteousness, there's a practical righteousness, and that's that sanctification. That's just living your life right, lined up with the Word of God, right and lined up with the Holy Spirit of God. And so once you become positionally righteous, saved, you better be practically righteous, living your life out, showing that you're positionally righteous. That's the change. And all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen. And I want everybody to look up and listen to what I'm saying. If you're ever going to be a soul winner, you can't just be positionally righteous and not practice righteousness. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. They won't hear you for seeing you. If you're not going to live a right life according to the Word of God, the best thing you can do 
is zip your mouth. Because you do more harm preaching one thing and living another. That's because somebody's fell for the lie that there is no sanctification. Amen. So you got that? We're going to gird our waist with the truth so we don't get deceived. We don't fall apart. We don't fall down. The devil cannot trip us up. And then we're going to put the breastplate of righteousness on because we know our hearts are evil and the devil can take the simplest things and cause us to do some evil things. Amen. So we've got the heart guarded and we got it guarded with the righteousness of God. And then the third piece of armor, and we'll be done for tonight, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I've said it just recently in a sermon, those sandals that they wore as soldiers in the Bible days, they had cleats in them for traction to get up and down the hills when they was in battle, up and down the mountains. And so when it says right here, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, listen, what's the plan for getting the gospel to a lost and dying world? The plan is when you get saved, you are that beggar, you found bread in that of the bread of life, right? And when you get saved, you're a beggar that found bread, you're supposed to go tell the other beggars where you found bread, and that's Jesus, the bread of life. It's all, what is it? Satisfied customers, word of mouth. Yes. And look here. It's a slippery slope to get to Calvary. And we live in a world where people want to be saved in all the religions of the world. And they're trying to get to the cross of Calvary and it's slippery. They need somebody that's got their waist girded with the truth. They need somebody that's got on the shield of faith. And that is righteousness both positionally and practically. And let me tell you what else they need. They need somebody that's got some gospel shoes on. Because it's slippery slope to Calvary's cross. And that's the only place they can be saved. And they need somebody that can help them get the traction to get to the foot of an old rugged cross. Amen. And it's vital that we put on the whole armor of God. Because souls are at stake. We're not on a playground. We're on a battleground. And we need to be Christian warriors that put on the whole armor of God. Dave's going to come. He's going to play. I'm going to ask Trenton to turn down the lights again. And I want our prayer to be focused on spiritual warfare. And I want our altar call tonight to be that, that if you're here and you're lost and undone, the first thing you've got to do to be a Christian soldier is you've got to, you've got to enlist in the army. Amen. And let me tell you something about being a soldier for the cross. You want me to tell you what will never happen? You'll never get drafted. In God's army, you'll never be forced. In America, they've, in, they've instated the draft before. It didn't matter if you wanted to be a warrior or not. You just got drafted, and guess what? You're now a soldier. Huh? Let me tell you what won't happen. God will never instate the draft. If you want to be a Christian warrior, you've got to, you've got to enlist. You've got to sign up. If you're here tonight, you're lost and undone. 
why wouldn't you want to enlist in God's army? But if you're here and you've already enlisted, here's my question to you. Have you been engaged in the battle? Do you have on the whole armor of God? We're in a spiritual battle and we need to come and learn to fight down on our knees. And we need to take serious the whole armor of God. Let's stand.